Please be advised that this episode of Certain Point of View contains a content warning for discussion of trauma associated with parental abuse, manipulation, and homophobia. We will be discussing the experience of coming out to toxic family members and the varied experiences in fiction and in real life. Happy holidays and welcome to Certain Point of Yule. Now is the season of our Christmas content, which means that we plan on watching those new Christmas movies, so you don't have to. I'm Frankie. And I'm John. And joining us today is our good pal, Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Hey, glad to be here. So, Matt, why did you want to come on Certain Point of Yule? Uh, well, I mean, a few reasons. Conveniently, I watched the movie we're going to talk about, so that usually helps. Um, and also because I genuinely like the holiday season, though, um, you know, I'm Jewish, and so I'm very excited and humbled that you let this badass nerdy Jew come on your podcast. Um, also, like, I thought that I would rib you a little because you were relentless about Christmas, and so any opportunity to do that on a podcast besides our own podcast is exciting to me. I roll my eyes at your scroogery, sir. I still say to this day, it's my right to own a black Santa hat that says Bah Humbug on it as a Jew. Live your life, live your dreams, sir. But that being said, the holidays are not limited to Christmas. We both know this. That's true. There are dozens of uh, Yuletide, Yuletime. There's a lot of holidays this time of year. (laughs) That being said, Matt, what is your favorite thing about the holiday season? That's a great question. I mean, like as a kid... Can I share a personal memory about my holiday season? Of course, if you're comfortable. Sure. Uh, it's it's not it's not super personal. It's just something that went on in my house. So uh, my dad often told tale of how he loved Hanukkah because when I was little and my brother had already gone to college, my dad would come home to me sitting on the stairs waiting for him to come home because I wasn't allowed to open Hanukkah gifts until he got home because he worked late. I know Matt's dad, so that is really adorable and definitely something Matt's dad would say. (laughs) Um, But my favorite thing about the holiday season is the drinks, mostly, and not the alcoholic beverages, as I do not partake in those, but like the I'm a pumpkin spice basic... I just, Hell yeah. I just am. Give me the spice. I'm going to have to jingle bell that out. <laughs> oh, no cursing on this one? <laughs> well, that's fine. If you curse, I jingle bell it. <laughs> that's fine. It makes got it ex- funnier. Got excited about the spice and I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like the food too. Like back before I was gluten free, like I loved gingerbread and making gingerbread houses and um, that kind of stuff. I recently discovered eggnog. It was a thing I never, virgin eggnog, which is a thing I never drank growing up, obviously. It was just not a thing that was in our house. So yeah, I would say typically, if anyone who knows me, the food is my favorite part of the holiday season. (laughs) As much as I love Christmas, eggnog is just not it for me. I've never actually, like, I've had a lot of eggnog in my time because... When my mother learns that I enjoy something, she just buys like it in bulk. That's what moms do. <laughs> Even beyond the point where I can consume it before it goes bad. Uh, so I've had a lot of eggnog in my day. I've never actually had alcoholic eggnog. I think that's because you usually add rum to it, and mm-hmm. I'm not much of a rum drinker. But mm-hmm. also, I don't think I knew you had a brother. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I have an older brother. I don't think it's nine- ever 
come up in any way. <laughs> we can save that for your spinoff podcast, Things That We Didn't Know About Each Other. <laughs> I mean, we could probably do one. That's that's probably very true. Matt, why don't you tell us about your favorite holiday movie? Sure. My holiday favorite holiday movie. So I'm, go- I'm going to preface this a bit. I have two favorite holiday movies, one that is purely a Christmas movie. And then one that is could be a multi-holiday movie. So really briefly, a two-for-holiday movie that I love is The Nightmare Before Christmas because it is both a Christmas movie and a Halloween movie. And a Thanksgiving movie. Technically. I will not hear anything about it. It is a fall-encompassing movie. But my all-time favorite Christmas movie is Scrooged with a D because it's... There are other, there's a Scrooge movie that's a musical that I know you love that I didn't know existed until you introduced me to it. But Scrooged with a D at the end, the Bill Murray movie where yes. he's like a rich, rich like entrepreneur, like TV associate and like is really shitty and it's got great comedic legends in it. Um, I, I love that movie so much. It was one of my favorites to watch every year and the scene with him in the elevator in the ghost of future past who doesn't speak and just points with a void where his face is until a tv like snowy screen turns on still terrifies me it's just so creepy but it's amazing it's such a good movie that movie is great it is a trip and a half it's essentially a modern re a comedy modern retelling of uh, christmas carol and it's very well done so that brings us to the movie that we're here to talk about today, which is The Happiest Season, which many a gay like myself, like Matt, has been excited for all season long, or leading up to the season, rather, because it is an openly queer Christmas movie. It is a queer romantic comedy, and it was released on Hulu on November 25th, I think. I didn't double check that one. I think that's accurate, though. I'm starring Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Daniel Levy, Aubrey Plaza, Alison Brie, Mary Steenburgen, and directed by Clea Duvall of But I'm a Cheerleader fame. So many powerhouses in this movie. It is an incredibly queer movie from toe to tip. The writer, the director, the the most of the cast is queer. Matt, do you want to break down the premise for our listeners? Sure, happy to. So um, the premise, in short, is Abby, the lead character, one of the lead characters played by Kristen Stewart, is going home for Christmas with her girlfriend, Harper, uh, with a plan to propose to her at their annual Christmas party, but learns on the way there in the car that Harper isn't out to her conservative parents, and they spend the entire trip pretending to be straight platonic roommates while there. Yeah, it is stressful. And this is the reason why we put that content warning at the top. Matt and I are both openly queer people. But after Matt watched it, he messaged me to ask me about my experience coming out because we both have very different experiences and very different families. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, John cannot speak to this because John is straight. <laughs> I'm the token straight person on this podcast, just so that we get a more nuanced, you know, point of view, a certain point of view, if you will. <laughs> it's okay. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah, I was about to say, John tries really hard. <laughs> I'm I'm as gay as I can be on any given day. That's fair. Look, as long as you're trying, that's all that matters. <laughs> He's gayer than he was yesterday. It's true. Exactly. <laughs> so. Normally, the way we do this is we talk we talk a little bit about what we liked, we talk a little bit about what we didn't like, and then we give it an overall rating. It's going to be a little hard to talk about this movie in such black and white terms, I think. So let's just 
explore and figure things out as we go. How's that sound? Works for me. One of the things I really liked was that it gave Kristen Stewart an opportunity to be a queer actress in a queer film. Mm-hmm. I thought most of the characters were really likable and really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Daniel Levy as John was hilarious. I was a little worried at his introduction that he would be this kind of stereotypical gay best friend, but it played a lot better since he was the gay best friend to a fellow gay person. Mm -hmm. So it was less of a stereotype and more of a, that's just how he is. Yeah, I mean, also, if you've watched him on Schitt's Creek, he played it similar to his character, David, not the same. They are, they were different characters, but not super dissimilar in mannerisms, at least in the way he acted. My boyfriend, uh, Dan Levy, is the reason I watched this movie, initially, anyway. But I agree that the cast was probably one of the best parts of the movie. Like, you didn't even mention legendary actor Victor Garber in the upfront, who played the father, who is queer, who is often cast as, and in this movie was cast as a straight man, which is always interesting to me with him. He plays a lot of dads. Yeah, he has played a ton. Victor Garber does play a lot of dads. Um, He also just plays like a lot of just like old authority figures mm-hmm. um, and he, he does a very good job of it he's he's a phenomenal uh actor and his his character development throughout the movie was just great yeah for sure he starts off not likable at all <laughs> nope same thing with the mom like they So one of the problems that I encountered with this movie was that I was very much expecting it to be a Christmas movie in the sense that The Mistletones is a Christmas movie, like a fun romantic comedy where wacky hijinks ensue. And to an extent, that is what happens, but it's so much more serious than that. Mm -hmm. And I fortunately went into it more aware of that after I'd been informed by fellow queer people that it was going to make me feel some things. And it did. I spent hours after the movie unable to sleep just continuing to process it. As I mentioned, Matt and I have very different experiences with our families. My family was very explicitly homophobic growing up. So I never felt that I had a safe place to be queer until I was an adult no longer living there. My father passed away four years ago now almost five. And once he died, I felt so much freer because I no longer had to worry about his judgment hanging over my head. If he was still alive, I think this movie would have impacted me in a more serious, more upsetting way because I would have felt even more in line with Harper. I understood her fear. I understood not necessarily her behavior, but I understood the place it was all coming from. Sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, well, so I want to say that like the first half of the movie was awful for me to watch like I just didn't enjoy any of it because it was very difficult to watch while there were funny moments it was mostly stressful and anxiety inducing but after seeing the end of the movie and the lead up and some of the the dialogue and and monologues later like those wouldn't have had the impact they had if the first half of the movie wasn't the way it was and you're right like we both had very different upbringings my parents were never outly homophobic and to my knowledge they're not homophobic at all but i didn't really come into my queerness until after i was an adult i was i i was aware of my queerness since high school but i didn't really feel comfortable in my own skin until much later and so i never felt the need to tell my parents even though i don't hide it and i married a woman who is also bisexual and so we are both straight presenting and so at this point now I feel like I don't I I felt for a long time because I've been married to my incredible spouse for five years 
that I didn't need to talk to my parents about it. It might just confuse them because, Mm -hmm. you know, bisexual gets a lot of binary definitions to people who don't understand it. You know, like, oh, how are you bi if you married a woman? That kind of thing. But watching this movie, like after Dan Levy's speech as John at the end, like explaining why it doesn't excuse Harper's behavior, but there should be an understanding about her behavior. Like I got really emotional. And then when the movie was over, I was in hysterics. And that's why I messaged you shortly after because I had been thinking about it once I got my together. And so like that made me really think and I talked to my spouse for a while like should I come out to my parents? Why why have that conversation? Does it matter? Some of my cousins know that I'm queer and I don't hide it. It's in my Twitter bio, it's in my Facebook profile that I don't really use anymore. Like it's part of my brand. I yell on Twitter a lot about how things could be gayer. So like it's not a secret, but I don't know that I should have that conversation with my parents. But that said, this movie made me think about it more than I've ever thought about it in the last decade. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a good thing to come out of this movie though for Mm -hmm. many people it might not be especially if you have trauma associated with the experience of coming out like john he got kicked out of his family he was disowned by his father for being gay yeah and so many people that i know and love have had the same or similar experiences so i can understand coming away from this movie not feeling like any closure or not feeling like it did anything positive for you. I can understand that. I'm curious about John's experience with this movie and what he thought about it as as a straight person who's, of course, very supportive of the queer community and uh, flirts with me constantly. So, you know, he's got taste. I mean, um, you're you're cute. Like that's. <laughs> I mean, he how could with I you not? Constantly, but he married me. So that's true. You make a yeah. good point. But I'm yeah. just curious how the movie read. If the things that I thought were worth it weren't to you, like I'm just curious. So yes, I I am a very very exceedingly uh, straight person. At least in relation to the bounty of queer people I am surrounded by. But I think because of how queer my social circles are the movie still has like a lot of impact because i can see a lot of the people that i know and love in these relationships and at the end of the day queer or straight they are just people having a a relationship to a a certain extent i know that, that like the queerness definitely enters into their experiences but you can just sort of look at it as like two people who love each other who are dealing with familial strife trying to then cope with that together and and being unable to because of expectations that have been placed on them by their parents so like it, it still hit me very hard like the the speech that you were talking about at the end like the gas station uh which was delightfully called loves um <laughs> and i i loved that there was a lot of cute little stuff in the background like that like that was i started to tear up a little bit that was very uh, emotionally hard hitting and i think there were enough like cute moments throughout this otherwise very emotionally hard hitting movie to like make it a wonderful watch. Like it's it's a hard thing to watch sometimes, but it's I think it's good because of that and because of how like like one of the first things they do in the movie is they be gay do crime <laughs> and they climb up onto some random woman's roof who is doing uh, a kink thing with someone dressed up in a Rudolph costume. And like, okay, that's where we're starting off on. <laughs> yeah. I think the reason I didn't like a lot of the movie initially, like until I got to the payoffs with like John's speech and then Harper's speech later is because for all intents and purposes, if Harper were a man, it would just be a bad, straight, romantic comedy where someone treats someone shitty. And like, it's important to tell fairly normal hey, we're not, like, like not throwing arrows on we're gay and just make it a 
dysfunctional relationship story that happens to also be about coming out is important, right? We want it to normalize those stories as we want more queer, queer people to just be in movies and not be the token queer person. But I felt the writing was kind of bad in the first half as far as I just wasn't interested. Like it was just kind of generic, dysfunctional, family ridiculousness movie. And the queerness is what made it different. But it didn't like grab me until we got to the payoffs of how this speaks to people's experiences. And, you know, Harper was awful most of the movie to Abby. And it was hard to watch. Yeah. It was very difficult. Especially it was difficult to be around that family. Yeah. Because they're so rich. They're so rich and so out of touch. And you see how that has negatively affected all of their children. Mm -hmm. Like Harper and Sloan are constantly competing. Jane feels entirely left out because she's not as valuable to her parents as the other two are. And just I felt bad for Jane the most. Yeah. Even though so Jane wasn't one of our main characters because she's every time she appears, she's so desperate for love that when her parents are like, oh, the printer's jammed or oh, the Internet's down, she just hops right to it because it's the only value that she can bring to this household. And when her father is saying nice things about his other daughters, the only thing he can say about Jane is she's the only reason that the Internet works in this house. You can't say anything nice about your daughter you know what i think i think that's this is one of the things that was going to be so divisive about this movie is that it does it's basically just the standard family drama you've got like these very rich now very like dad's running for like mayor or whatever like right whatever ted's running for like you know he's running for some big you know so all the skeletons that the family has have to be hidden and then there's mom trying to like paint the picture perfect family and start this instagram feed and then like you've got like the the three dysfunctional kids right the two that are always competing with each other that have to be just so perfect all the time and then like the one who's just the leftover the spare kid who just like never really got there and it's just the standard family drama just we happen to have queer people around yeah i think that despite how difficult the first two-thirds of the movie could feel I think it was necessary because we're building up this farce, right? And that entire final act just rips it all apart. And yeah. that's when we get to the meat. That's when we get to the heart of everything. And I think it was necessary for us to experience that farce. It, it had good pacing for a three-act play, right? Yeah. We, we, we had our rising action throughout act one where, like, the conflict starts to build. And then everything starts to fall apart in act two with Connor and with uh, Abby's relationship with Riley... Thank God you make notes about these characters' names. <laughs> and then, like, it all blows up. And, like, the big, and poor Jane's painting, though. Oh, uh, Jane's painting. so beautiful. She put, she put a hundred hours into that. I was so worried about Jane's painting because I was afraid that it was going to be used as another opportunity to just mock Jane for how weird she Me is. Too. But when it's revealed and it's like a beautiful painting and the donor, who's the character's name is Harry, Harry Levin, is giving this strange expression like, what the hell is this? And uh, John and I are sitting there like, don't you dare. This thing is yeah. beautiful. Like, that is a beautiful painting. You should be in awe. And then when it's destroyed, I was almost just 
so gutted by the destruction of this painting, but it afforded Jane an opportunity to stand up for herself. And I think that was the most important thing. And she did, and she yeah. did it beautifully. And it was it was a wonderful uh, moment and it allowed like her and her siblings to connect better. I want to just rewind a little bit to a moment earlier in that party, because this is, I think, one of like the, the comedy moments that just cements this movie as just hilarious to me, which is uh, John talking to Connor and Connor asks him how much you bench and John says a thousand a thousand plus and Connor doesn't like look at him like what the f because like that's not because that's not like a, a an amount that even world record bench pressers do he just like looks at him like huh I'm very impressed it's just he's so willing to believe that this scrawny little man can bench press half a ton. I really wanted mm-hmm. Connor to like come out in the ending credits. I I thought he was gonna. I thought That's he was. Gonna, I, I thought, thought he. Thought. I Sarah thought he thought and John were going to like I, be together. Yeah. Okay. So we all thought that. We all thought Connor was gonna come out as <laughs> as gay, and him and John were gonna get together. One thing that I really liked was that in that kind of one year later snapshot, you saw how the whole family grew. Yeah. Like, you saw that Jane finally got her book published with John's help. You saw that finally Harper and Abby are engaged, that the family is actually getting along. And it it was growth that needed to happen, and it shows that it can happen, but it can be hard for people to see because it's not true to their experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's roll through things very quickly because we should be wrapping up soon. Okay. Mm -hmm. One thing that I want to say that I didn't like is that we didn't get to know enough about Abby. We know that she's pursuing her art history PhD at Carnegie Mellon, but there is no reference to her interest in art beyond that. Is she an artist herself? Does she like write papers? Like we get absolutely nothing. And we also know that she is a pet sitter and that's it. Also, let's just put this out here. An art history PhD at Carnegie Mellon is a hard thing to do. Like that is a good school for that. Yeah, definitely. That is like, she's, she's gotta be like absolutely brilliant. A really cool backstory detail. And yet there's nothing more about it in just anything casual in Abby's life. Like she's not a painter. I don't know. I just feel like it was a throwaway detail. I think this is similar to the issues that we had with Holiday. Because we spend so much time just with Harper's family and with Harper's experience with her parents, we don't get a lot of Abby details because it's very focused on Harper and her life and her family and her experiences. Yeah, which is not fair to Abby because she's <clears throat> one of the main characters. Yes, she yes, she is a fully realized creation who unfortunately does not get enough exposition, I guess. Does anybody else want to... Uh, yes, the creepy Shining-esque kids. Oh, I hated oh, them. They were so Magnus good. Magnus and... It also began with an M and I cannot remember. Um, yeah, the boy was mag and like they always spoke in this kind of monotone. It always just reminded me of the twins from The Shining and like they got Abby in trouble as like a thief. Also, those security guards. I hated that whole scene that because whole scene I have was... worked in a mall and I have worked with loss prevention and it was just not realistic to me at all. Also, that's yeah. literally not how loss prevention works. Like they're not allowed to even touch you. Their job is just to follow you, get as many details about you as they can and then actually call the cops. They, they can have no... ask you to empty your purse. Yes, but they act- yeah. they have like no real authority. They can't yeah. lock you in the like break room and grill you underneath on light like that's there's a lawsuit in process right now 
Yeah, exactly. Matt, do you have anything? Yeah, a few things. Um, I think that the supporting cast was phenomenal as well. I want to call out Mary Holland, who was Jane, who we mentioned before. I also would be remiss to not call out a friend of uh, my spouse, Burl Mosley, who played Eric, which was Sloane's husband, um, who is phenomenal. He's a great singer, dancer, and actor. And like uh, Eric's scenes, though he didn't have a ton of lines, like he was just very good at being this kind of like perfect husband and then of course there was a problem later where they reveal he's cheating and they like he wasn't cheating they knew they were separated right it was an agreed upon event however i thought that he was also going to come out as gay (laughs) (laughs) like i knew Um, something was up with him the second he walked on screen i was just like "Mm, i'm suspicious of your marriage (laughs) immediately i also thought that the mom was going to eventually come out as gay tipper actually thought most of the cast was going to i did not get that off of tipper at all me neither they seemed like typical republican parents a little bit (laughs) but also the other thing that i wanted to shout out was aubrey plaza in a role that wasn't her parks and rec role because she tends to be typecast as like the jackass the no gives no kind of character but in this she was supportive and sweet and kind and snarky and like i just i really loved riley as a character i loved riley too riley was great i was worried that they were going to try and make like make more relationship drama, like actual yeah. relationship drama That's what I was afraid with of Abby too. and Riley, not just the stuff that like Harper was like worried about when they were having their fight about her being out to two AM with her ex boyfriend, which also like you told her you weren't gonna be out that late and then you're coming back at two in the morning yeah. after like that's also it's perfectly reasonable for your partner to say, Hey, I just wanna make sure that you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not checking up on you i am just slightly worried yeah but that being said my last two points one i'm really glad that they didn't introduce the trope of queer relationships don't work because queer people always cheat two i really wish that this hadn't been about someone having to come out we really need to get away from that plot line for queer characters i've had it (laughs) we don't need to come out anymore we're out can we please just have regular movies in which we're queer (laughs) just let queer people be happy yep just like give me something like goofy and dumb like any of the other holiday movies in like the past like five years that have just been fun and goofy just everyone's queer yeah, yeah. one other thing i want to say is kristen stewart was uh, a revelation she was phenomenal she was so just good. getting to be this dorky awkward queer person because like I've been watching her in movies since the the Twilight stuff, and she was not good in those movies. But it's proof with every other movie that she makes that it's not, it wasn't her in those movies. It wasn't her. It It was was the the content and the character. Yeah, I I think a large part of Kristen Stewart, her performance in Twilight, wasn't her per se, although I think it was her first huge acting role. So that, I mean. Probably. It wasn't. Okay, well. I think there was just books are bad. They're poorly written. The movies were poorly written. They had great action scenes, but that's all that can be said for them. And I think that it was the character that was bad, not necessarily like her as an actress. Also, she didn't enjoy it. And you can tell. No one enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, Uh, Robert Pattinson uh, dumping on that movie is one of my favorite things ever. Last thing to say is that. I am glad that they did get their happily ever after. They do get engaged because no more movies about how like queer people can't be happy. Yep. And also, if you're a straight person on the internet going on and on about, you know, you should be yourself and that this was bullshit, shut up. Because you don't know what it's like to have to come out. And yep. you you cannot call. If you're queer and you have that issue, fine. Let's chat about it. But like, shut up, straight person. I don't want to hear it. Everybody has different experiences. 
Yep. And I think that is one of the things that this movie highlighted was that every experience and every person going through it is completely different. Yep. So I do have one last thing that I want to say, and only because I mentioned uh, the dad's character growth earlier, and I want to uh, resolve that particular thing. The phone call that he gets at the end from Harry was the character's name, yes? Yeah. Yeah. Right, where she's like to him, like, hey, like, we can still work together on this, but only if your daughter adopts like a don't ask, don't tell policy. And I was so worried that he was going to make the bad dad choice. And then he didn't. He made the good dad choice. And it's to hooray. Good. Good. Great. Everybody got their happy ending. This is what you should have done. Good. And that's it. Okay. I'm done. Great. (laughs) All right. That all being said, it's time to give this movie our standard arbitrary rating. Matt, out of five tree toppers. How many tree toppers does Happiest Season get? Does it have to be tree toppers? I'm sorry. Can can I give it can out it of five menorahs? Yeah, out of five menorahs. <laughs> or we can do eight candles. How many candles out of eight does this movie get? <laughs> I like that. That's good. Um, out of eight candles, I think I would give this a solid six candles. I think. That's um, I because th- I, I, I think it's a complete package and it's worth seeing. But it was not the greatest romantic comedy I've ever seen. I don't even think it was a particularly good romantic comedy. But I think it's an important movie. And it was, it was for what it was meant to be, it was well done. I just feel like the writing could have been better. Okay. John? I would agree with a six out of eight. Also, you all keep saying this is a romantic comedy, and I didn't see it. I didn't <laughs> see it as a romantic comedy. It like, was it supposed was just, to be. Uh, it was not funny enough. Uh, like there were funny moments in it, but it was not funny enough overall to rank uh, romantic comedy in my book. I would call it a decent Christmas movie. I would call it a decent romance movie, but like it was hard to watch in places. So yes, six out of eight candles. I also agree with six out of eight candles. I think that if you can withstand the discomfort, it is worth watching and having a conversation about. I think Kristen Stewart is amazing. I think there are definitely some red flags between her and Harper. But overall, I feel enriched for having watched it. So I still think six out of eight. Excellent. All right. Worth a watch could could be better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this limited run of Certain Point of Viewal. Certain Point of Viewal is a Certain Point of View production. Head over to CertainPOV.com to find a link to our Discord and join in the conversation. I'm Frankie. I'm John. And I'm Matt. Happy holidays. We love you. Bye. Happy Hanukkah. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.